When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, everyone. This is Amanda Bates, the founder of The Black Expat and host of the Global Chatter podcast. My guest this week is Anna Linde, who is a dance and movement therapist, as well as an intimacy coach in training. Anna's story begins in Brazil, where she was born and then adopted to a Swedish couple. As you can imagine, growing up as a brown child in a predominantly white Swedish community led to some struggles about identity as she was growing up. Much of our conversation focuses on her experiences growing up brown and Brazilian in a very white Swedish community. We also explore why she decided to seek out and meet her biological family in Brazil and the unanticipated discoveries she made along the way. And boy, did she make some discoveries. We also discuss her time currently living in Portugal and why she decided to world school her children for a year. This is a wonderful episode examining cross-cultural identity from several angles, and I hope you'll enjoy it. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite platform. And if you really, really like it, share it with a friend. Welcome to the Global Chatter. All right. So welcome to the latest episode of the Global Chatter. I anticipate that this will be an exciting uh, episode. I know I say that for every episode and my guests always laugh when I say that, <laughs> but it's true because I I think that one of the best things about this podcast are the different perspectives and the different backgrounds of the people who come on. And I know that having Anna on here is just going to contribute to, to the great legacy of guests that we've had here. So Anna, good day to you. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm fine. It feels good to be here. And you know what? And it feels good to see you. And the thing is, I we were joking offline about how I, I, I'm like this every episode. If one day I decide to do video, I, I need to look as awake and alive as the guests do because it's always earlier for me. And this is not bad because you are in Spain. Yes. But when I, especially when I have guests who are in Asia and it's like <laughs> 4 a.m. here and then it's 4 p.m. there, um, everybody always looks very awake and alive and bright and you look great. So I'm, I'm happy that you're here. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that way, but you're radiating it. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited. So as I've, as I've already said, you are in Spain. Where, where in Spain are you? We are about an hour from Malaga in a mm -hmm. small village called La Herradura. 
um, where it's basically an international world schooling community. Really? Okay. So look, here's the thing. I, I hadn't actually really thought about <laughs> world, like that there were big communities around that, around world schooling. Um, and I, I know this is a different way than we normally enter, but can you explain for people who don't know what world schooling is? Yeah, it's um, because my kids, they are 12 and 9, and they have been going to like a traditional Swedish school all day long, uh, all the time, <laughs> until yeah. last year or last, uh, this fall, the last fall. Now wait, yes, it's spring now <laughs> to the last fall. <laughs> okay. And so we decided that we wanted to take a year and travel around. Um, so they are studying in an online, American online school. And we are traveling around, so they are doing their things on the computer. And we are, you know, both doing art and sports and other things like projects in the places where we are. Um, and a world schooling, this is a way to world school because we want to learn in the places where we are. We want to learn about cultures, about language. We want to, like when we are road tripping, we are stopping in different places like Hamburg, Paris, and we just learn something and do something when we are there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so La Herradura is a kind of a community place where there's a lot of homeschoolers and it's a lot of world schoolers. And there is also a lot of unschoolers that are hanging here. So it's a good mix of people. Wow. wow. And I... You know, for the people who are listening, we had a guest on at the beginning of season one named Karen Ricks, who also world schools her son, her and her husband world school. And so if you if you know, if you want to hear more about it, you I, I, I would encourage you all to listen to that episode. But I, I, I'm curious, you know, you guys are doing it and you've been doing it for about a year. Was it an adjustment because your kids were in traditional Swedish schools and we will talk we will get into your background in a second, but was it an adjustment going from having them in a traditional school to having them in this kind of world school space? Yeah, because suddenly I'm not only the mom, I'm also kind of the teacher that is supposed to actually make them do the things that I feel and the school feels is necessary for them to do. So we have been adjusting our routines a bit, and they always want to sleep longer in the mornings. So we are up a bit late. But it's a very interesting journey to do because suddenly I have a lot of time to spend with my kids. And it's mm. not, it's time, of course, but it's also more quality time. And yeah. so I feel grateful for having this opportunity to do this much things together with them. And that's such a cool perspective. And 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 hearing other parents who world school, I mean, just you're in Europe, if, if nobody knows that at this point, but you're in Europe. And so you being able to say, oh, we stop at Hamburg or we're in Paris. <laughs> like, like that's, I think that that's a dream for a lot of people. I think that's a dream for a lot of adults. So I think it's super cool that, you know, I, obviously the proximity, at least with Western Europe, there are all these cool historical places that I think you can get to. Yeah. And, and, and so with that, and, and you've already kind of laid a little bit of the context. So your family is Swedish, correct? Yes. Okay. So you grew up in Sweden, but if I understand correctly, you were adopted. So tell me a little bit of your, your back, your backstory. 
Yeah, I uh, I'm adopted from Brazil. Um, so I came to Sweden when I was about maybe six or seven weeks. So I was very young or very small. Um, and I grew up with white parents in the, you know, kind of fancy neighborhood or not fancy, but, but like good standard neighborhood. Um, I had the privilege to go to good schools. Um, but I was also always the only black kid, basically. Mm-hmm. 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 Did your parents have, were you an only child or did they have other children and did they have biological children? They only had me. So I'm a single kid, single only black kid. <laughs> oh my gosh. Very interesting. So did you, so I guess I have to, I asked this question. I mean, I'm, and I've, I've interviewed individuals who've been adopted before. Uh, was there a particular reason why they looked towards Brazil or it was just the opportunity was there? I think it was a bit about the opportunity because we are like 14 or 15 kids that are adopted from not only the same city, but like two cities close by in the same year to different mm. Swedish families. Um, wow. So I think there were um, an opening with a good connection with this lawyer because these adoptions were made in private yeah. or like not, uh, yeah, not through an organization, but a private matter. And I think Brazil is one of those countries where you have a good, you know, positive image of kind of exotification, though, when I look yeah. at it from from an adult perspective. But I think this was also contributing to why my parents choose Brazil. So you were an only child. Your parents are white. You're in Sweden. And I imagine at the time you were growing up, I mean, Sweden does have some significant diversity, at least in this period right now that I'm seeing, you mean, probably a lot more than historically. Mm. But what was it like growing up for you as 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 an adoptee in, in, in Sweden? Like, and, and where in Sweden did you grow up? I, I didn't ask. Uh, I grew up in Stockholm. In Stockholm, in an okay. area called Södermalm. Um, gotcha. And I think from the beginning, I didn't really had a lot of, you know, perspective on mm-hmm. how I could, how I could look at, at myself in this situation. But the more older I got, I realized that there is something about being Swedish that I just don't reach. Like I cannot live up to it, no matter what I'm doing or how I'm doing. Um, and I had an accident, accident, I had a incident, it's a better word, because I was driving back to Sweden like two weeks ago, one week ago, mm-hmm. and I got stopped at the border between Denmark and Sweden, and I had to mm-hmm. argue with them for like 30 minutes to actually let me in, in my own country. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was so pissed <laughs> for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But there is something that is like connecting with the Swedish identity that I still don't feel a hundred percent accepted in. Mm. Mm. And what I'm curious is your parents, did they, did they talk to you about identity or race? Did, was it ever a conversation as you're growing up or was it, and, and I can see this too, you're our child mm. and it is what it is. Yeah. But um, I think they didn't really, because the Swedish people are like, they tried in a way to be colorblind as a way to, 
to manage or to to be more inclusive or accepting. But when you're colorblind mm-hmm. or when you have a colorblind approach, it also means that you actually don't see or have the courage to face racism or other type of abuse that you get into mm. because you have a different skin color or a different ethnicity. Mm. So even when I came home and I told them about things that were happening or that people was treating me badly, they really didn't want to see that this was true just because of my skin color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they they acted like that because of love and because they really wanted me to be accepted. But from a grown-up perspective, I think they are kind of problematic with that attitude or with that way of handling these situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you growing up then... I- I mean, you mentioned that there was a, there was, there were community, there were other, you know, individuals from Brazil who were adopted. Did you have a community of sorts of other black, black or brown, <laughs> wherever it came from, or, or for you, were you really the only one in your immediate space? Um, I think there was like two in my closest area or closest space. Mm -hmm. But when you are adopted and you are trying to, you know, adapt to the situation or you are basically, you are trying to be white uh, Mm -hmm. because everybody that looks at us are white. So you Mm -hmm. internalize a white way of looking at things, Mm -hmm. which gives you a very difficult situation when it comes to actually, you know, developing your self-esteem or your your way of looking at yourself with self-respect or at your body or at your your hair or your whatever parts of you. Mm-hmm. Um so the ones that I had not really close but kind of close, we were not really identifying to each other because we had the same skin color because we didn't really see it like that because mm-hmm. we were all internalizing a white look or a white gaze mm-hmm. at everyone around us and also ourselves. Mm. You said something and my aunt, my, 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 my mental antenna went up. <laughs> I was like hair. I, yeah. I'm trying to figure out your hair. So like, cause I can't see your hair. Cause you got a beautiful hair wrap on. I'm thinking to myself, okay, you got a white mom, the hair, like, does she, <laughs> does she know what to do with your hair? No, <laughs> she okay. had no idea. Like no idea. And and that's, I mean, she tried when I was little, I have this, you know, Afro puff hair, like tiny girls. And she was trying to do this, you know, put them up like this or, or put in (laughs) one and, but she didn't have a clue what to do it. Um, so what she did is, is, you know, when I got bigger, maybe six, seven, something like that, she took me to a hairdresser, beautiful, fantastic woman. Uh, and she asked her to, what do you call it? To make it straight? Like to straighten the hair. Put a relaxer in it. Yeah. Yeah. Put a perm in it. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so painful. It hurts so much. Wow. It's like, it smells like a chemical reaction on your head. Yeah. And and here's the thing. Let me tell you about what happens when your mama does it in the kitchen when you have a black mom. They're Ah. supposed to put it on your hair. But the problem is that sometimes it ends up on your scalp. And yes. that's when you like can feel your scalp burning, which yes. 
is very weird that we all know this, but you can yeah. smell. It's terrible. Ugh. Yes. So yeah. terrible. So we did that like for many years and it was painful <laughs> right. and weird. And, I mean, like- and, and full disclosure, I had, I had perms for a long time. I have not had one in a long time because my hair is natural, but yes, I understand. So I'm not downing you yeah. if you've ever had one, but yes. Yeah. But, but yeah. And it was like, if I, um, I felt or I realized, and it's the same now, actually, that people in Sweden, maybe in general, are much more accepting when I have straight hair or braids Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. when I have Afro or my natural hair. Um, And I learned that by growing up in Sweden, that this is kind of the type of hair I need to have to melt Mm -hmm. in or to, to, to be able to pass as more white or more Swedish or less immigrant or whatever words we want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was like 14, I was a, wow, I was a terrible teenager. Uh, I started to braid my hair instead. And I used all these different colors, long and short. And I was totally crazy just because I needed to, you know, I needed to reclaim something. I just, mm didn't really know what I needed to reclaim at that point. You know, it's, you're right. I I have heard this and it's been a conversation, I think, with Black women here. And it's true. I think when people have definitely highlighted that when their hair is straight, different reaction. When their hair is braided, different, you know, a different reaction. And I think it also depends how it's braided let's be honest because yes, i do think wow. that yes i know people like micro base they like box braids or whatever but i think when you when you get a little even more artistic and have more colors and it's a little bit more dramatic then i think it's like it, it's not as as positive a reaction i would say for some oh. people but um it is interesting to see the shift in hair i would even say in the u.s they've said that the, like the number of women who re, who put relaxer in their hair has significantly dropped, right? Mm. Like, and I think there is this general movement more towards your natural hair, your braided hair, like natural. It's like the hair that comes out of your head. Why am I changing it? Because you don't know what to like. That's your problem. Like I, we did not choose our hair. It's like everyone has the hair that they have, right? And so, yeah, it's very interesting to sort of hear that. And I, I always ask that question, especially with those with adopted parents. I'm like, how was the hair situation? And it's always the same thing. It's like they have no idea. And and I think <laughs> now it's here's what I think is better now. I think that more non-black moms, and particularly white moms that have adopted black children, have gotten better about asking black moms and black women, how do we, or, you know, black families, Mm. how do we work with this hair? Because I, I know folks who have adopted children who are black and I think now it's just easier. And that's, I think also social media, because you can now go and look and say, oh yeah, here are the tools. So, so yeah, no, I, I, I'm forever like fascinated by hair. So, so with that being said, and, 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 and about feeling Swedish did you ever feel, and I know this is an interesting question because you grew up in Sweden. Was there anything in you that felt like there was a Brazilian identity? Yeah, because I always, you know, end up in Sweden. We have a word that you have to be logom. 
And it's, yes. it means that you cannot be too much and you cannot be too little. You have to be in between and you should keep it like that. Like you should be not talking too loud, not take so much space. You should, you know, be logum. Just be logum. Very and anti-American. And I never logum. <laughs> this is yeah. very anti-American. We're very loud and take up a lot of space. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have no idea on how to be logum. I never, I cannot be logum because I don't, you know, I don't have the capacity for that. Or I, the, I don't. So in so many ways, I was thinking that when I grew up or when I was a teenager and, and close to teenager, I had the feeling that it's something about me that is just never going to work here in this context. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some points I thought it was how I was looking, like my skin color, my hair, my clothes. And I tried to dress differently. I tried to change my hair. I was doing like a lot of things to just, you know, unwrap this thing or make it more clear. But the more older I got, I realized that it's my personality that is like this. And that's not really possible to change. And I don't want to change it because I really appreciate my sides and my traits and my, you know, the energy I have or the balance I have in life, Um, which is, you know, not that typically Swedish in how I am. Mm. Uh, It's just that I needed to go back to Brazil to actually try to figure out what is Brazilian then, you know, what does it actually mean? And do I, do I have this, you know, inside me somewhere? And what is it then? Mm. Mm. So I'm presuming then you had an opportunity to go to Brazil? I did. I've been back a couple of times. The first time when I was 14, I think I went with my parents Mm -hmm. and, and we went to, we went with other friends as well, but we went to the hospital where I was born to see how it was. And when we got to this place, it's a, like a small city outside of um, Salvador, Ilius. Um, when we got out from the taxi or the cab, the people, it was like 20 guys playing football and they just stopped. You know, it got quiet and the ball was like bouncing off the field because they never saw white people before. Uh, And for me, it was the opposite. I was like, wow, so many black people. Like, wow, damn it, this is special. And I I can imagine that you guys presented a picture, right? Because you you look like them. Right. I do. And then and then your parents are these white white Swedish folks. So like so like they yeah. I think part of it is probably, you know, them going, Who is this person that looks like us who's with these group of very white people? Yeah. Not that not that there aren't you know, I mean, obviously if you go to Sao Paulo, and I've been to Brazil, Sao Paulo, Rio, whatever, they're white, you know, they're they're although it's it's I think South America is very funny because there are people who clearly present as white, but the people who are from those countries, they know, oh, they're not like, to me, they might be white, but they're like, no, they got a little bit of whatever. But I think that yeah. your parents probably look like white, white to them. Yeah, they are like white, white. <laughs> yeah, they were know? not Brazilian white to them. And so they were right, white. And so um, I-, I could imagine everybody's going, who's this girl who looks like us? Yes. And then there are these people who don't look like her. 
Yeah. And they're here. Yeah. Mm. So confusing. And Brazil <laughs> is very racist. Like it's a lot of racial structures in Brazil. And yeah. I wasn't prepared for that because nobody mm. told me. Because mm. who will tell me why my white parents? No, of course not. Because they are white. They don't see these structures. Mm. But it was so ugly when I was there. People were like spitting at me in the line on the restaurant because we only eat in these fancy places. Because, yeah, because this is how my parents travel. And I couldn't imagine that it would be that type of behaviors that I would, you know, get mm. in my face. Um, so when I got back the first time, I, I was so disappointed and sad and I felt so like misunderstood and like, really, I traveled to this country where I'm supposed to feel at home or feel that I have roots and I'm not even accepted here. Like what Mm. happened? You know, what did I do wrong? And how can I fix it? <laughs> like, yeah. What can I do now? Oh and you were a teenager too, right? So yeah. that, oof, that's intense. I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, and, and I imagine in your mind, you, before you got there, there's probably an idea of how you thought you would yeah. be received. And then the reality of how you received yeah, because I totally didn't think about that it would be different for me going there with my white parents. Mm. I totally didn't see that, you know. I thought we are going like we are going on vacation to Spain or to whatever when we have been going. But we got treated so extremely differently if I was alone with my friends doing something, hanging at the pool or eating lunch or walking at the beach or when we were with our parents. And at one point, we just told our parents, like, leave us alone. Don't walk next to us. Like, we cannot handle this. Just go. You know, we will come later, but just go. We don't mm. want to walk next to you. We cannot do this. Were um, you were you with other people who had been adopted, from a friend's standpoint, other people who had been adopted or just other yes. young Brazilians? Okay. No, other, other kids that were adopted at the same like from the same city or the same like area. Gotcha. No, yes. definitely. I can see. I mean, first of all, teenagers already are like, don't walk with this. But then you're like, oh my gosh, you look different and everybody is staring and this is weird. Wow. Yeah, no, I get that. <laughs> so <laughs> so then let me ask you this. As you're talking, you obviously went back to Brazil at some point. When did you go back again? And did you go back without your parents? Yeah, because I was so disappointed after this first trip. Uh, so I had to leave leave Brazil, like leave leave the idea of Brazil aside for a long while. And then uh, I went to therapy and I was trying to figure out who I, who I am, what I'm doing, what I should do in life and how I should handle myself. So when I was, I think I was 21, I decided that I wanted to try to find my mom, my biological mom. So I, I had a problem with that, but actually it was easy, but I had a problem because I don't speak Portuguese. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I asked the Brazilian embassy to help me to translate just like five notes, what I wanted to write to her. And uh, because we didn't have Google translate and these, these things at this time, maybe we did, but I didn't know it anyway. And I sent an email to the lawyer because we had his business card that made the adoption possible and he had the same email 
So I emailed him and asked if he could help me to just find my mom. And, and I screenshotted or like I, I put the put the adoption papers with her name and my name there. Uh, and he answered me after like four days and we're like, yeah, I know where she is. I will get back to you just like that. And he was like, yeah, I got her new address. So here it is, like good luck. And then I sent her this letter with these five notes that I got translated, uh, like a handwritten letter, like a real letter with some photos. And like, I think I wrote something like, I just want to get to know you. I just want a chance. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, so as you're joining us back from the break, you heard Anna kind of recount her story of trying to find her biological mom in Brazil. And before the break, we got to the point where the lawyer knew where she was and 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 how to reach her. And so I guess my question is, you eventually made contact with her. What was that experience like? Ah. Uh... Yeah, I uh, I sent her this letter and I told my mom in Sweden and she got really upset. And I couldn't really understand why she got upset. Because for me, it was like, you will always be my mom. This is just a person I really need to meet. But it's different. But mm-hmm. she really, it was really difficult for her to handle. So I was kind of fighting with her about it. At the same time that my mom in Brazil sent me an, a letter back or an email back, I don't remember. Like it took two weeks from that I emailed the lawyer until I got an answer. And it was so like so emotionally and so weird at the same time. And she was just like, you know, throwing love at me. Like I always loved you and, and you have to come and I want to see you. And it's amazing that you are back. And all of these things. So eventually I did went back to Brazil and I spent the Christmas there one year with her and my little sister that is now 25 and I'm 36. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back the year after to meet my dad, my grandfather and my uncles and stuff. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So did you, I mean, here's the question. I, and, and I'm share as much as you want or you don't want, but I'm sure you probably asked her why, why she chose to give you up for adoption. I did. did. She, what, what was her response? If you don't mind sharing. 
it's a very, like, I don't mind saying it, but it's a very disappointing answer that I got. So I just wanted, I just wanted to say it for the people who are listening, that it's not, it's, it's not, you know, I was, I was preparing for, I was poor. I didn't, you know, all of these things that, that could be possible. But she looked at me when I asked her, no, actually it was like this. Uh, the second time I was there, I was pregnant with my first son and her, let's see, her sister's children, like my cousins were there as well. Yeah. And they, we are one year between me and my cousins. So my mom said that, you know, we couldn't keep all of you because we, we couldn't, we didn't have, you know, the space or the money for that. And I was like, whoa, how do you choose if you are two sisters pregnant, like with a year in between, how do you choose which child to keep? Like, like, how do you even do that? Hmm. Uh, and she looked at me and she put her head on the side and she was like, but you are, you know, you are black. So hmm. when I saw you, I knew that I wouldn't keep you. Hmm. And I was like, whoa, you broke my heart. Like I could literally feel it. Like something is breaking inside me when you are, you know, how could you? How could you tell me this like this? Yeah. How do you like, do you like, are you, are you kidding? Are you, what, is it supposed to be funny or like what? I don't, you know, I didn't get it. And she was like, no, but it's, it's very racist here, you know? So this is how it is. And I'm like, but now you are the racist, you know, <laughs> it's not here. Yeah. It's now it's you. <laughs> and yeah. How could you, how could you tell me this? And in the same, you know, the next sentence you are saying that you love me, that, that doesn't work. Like how, mm. how could I even appreciate that you love me if you are also telling me that you leave me because of my skin color? How, mm. how? Yeah. So that was a bad day. That was a. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're both laughing, but we're both like, that's really heavy. Oh my gosh. Well, let me ask yeah. you this because I, I did not ask this question about your biological mother or your biological father. Your biological mother, what does she present as? Is she lighter skin? Is she white? Is she, no, I mean, I know are, it's Brazil. Yeah, but they are, no, they are lighter. They are like Portuguese white, you know? Okay. Okay. And, and my dad and, as well. Really? Yeah. But my grandfather is darker though. <laughs> Ah, the jeans come through. Yes. Sorry, yeah. I'm like, it always shows up. It's just stayed out. <laughs> I know. I shouldn't be excited about that. But, no, but it's, I'm like, it's like, wait, why am I dark? Because there's a grandparent somewhere. It's always a grand or a great grandparent. Yeah. So so both of your both of your biological parents are fairer in complexion than you. Yes. But hit but your biological grandfather was darker. Yes, exactly. And and the only reason I ask this is because I, I, I guess in my mind, and I'm sure obviously you as the person went through this, I'm trying to process like the, the decision making your mother yeah. made. And 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 so let, let me put it this way. This is going to sound dumb. I'm so sorry. But <laughs> 
you know, usually we have we usually have a sense a child's going to come out dark if you look at the two parents. But I think in your case, it it seemed like they had they didn't know what was they didn't know what until you were born. And and, and because I'm trying to understand if you if you were going to give the child up because you knew the child was going to be dark. I think you would have already in my mind, I'm thinking you already know the child's going to be dark because you're looking at yourself and you're looking at your partner. But it seems like <laughs> no, no clue. And have- my my biological dad was married uh, with somebody else at this point, so it was like a lot of yes. stuff going <laughs> That's on. Also there. extra. You said you got to meet that side of the family. What was it like meeting your father, your biological father? Yeah, that was a little weird because this was the second, like the or the third trip, but the second time I was there. Uh, to meet my mom I also meet my met my biological dad and he was like taking time from work to spend with us and blah 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 and I was like but how many kids do you have <laughs> and I <laughs> <laughs> because I was curious you know and I don't remember now if he said five or if he said four but <laughs> because I, I don't I'm not sure and I was like but show me a picture and he's like yeah this blah 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 and I was like but couldn't you call them? Like, couldn't you, you know, bring them here? And he's like, no. And I'm like, (laughs) why? And he's like, because I don't count you as my child. And I was like, okay, fuck face. Then why (laughs) did you take time off work to spend four days with me here? If it doesn't even matter, you know? And he's mm. like, no, but it's just a fun thing. And I'm like, no, this is not just a fun thing. So you're not, you're never going to tell them about me? He's like, Pah, no. And I was like, that sucks, you know? Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I when I went home, he still didn't tell them or he was like, no, I will not. Like, I will never tell them. And I was like, but that's weird. You got divorced like three times since. So nobody cares. And everybody's adult. (laughs) Couldn't you just tell them? But no, he didn't plan to. Mm. I mean, that's a whole story, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. All of this is a whole story. No, I'm sitting here because we both have like counseling degrees. And I'm just like... I feel like if a if a if a client or a patient told you this, you would know how to like be a counselor in it. But when it's your yeah. own story, you're like, this is just a this is a mess. This is a this is a mess. And and so, <laughs> my, I, so but here's the thing: you have a sister, yeah, on your mother's side. Yes. And so, did you first meet her when she was in Brazil, or did you first meet her as she was relocating to Europe? And no, I met her in Brazil the first, not the first time I was there with my parents, but the first time I met my mom, I also met my little sister. Okay. And that was amazing. Like, imagine I have a sister, you know, that's awesome. Because you've been an only child in your mind. and, and, And I think that's important for people to hear, even with that conversation with your father, your biological father, is that you grew up, you in Sweden and also as an only child. And so I can imagine for you, it's finding out you have siblings. There's a need, there's a desire for connection, even yes. if you didn't grow up in the same home, because you're like, you are, you are, we are tethered by, you know, by blood and DNA yeah. and genes. And so 
I, I guess the question I have for you is that you you said earlier, or maybe you said this off air, your your sister presents as she's fair, she's whiter or lighter yeah. than you are. Yeah. Um, was there any conversations with your mom? And, and she's much younger too, but like, was there any conversations around, okay, well, this child, <laughs> you know, why, why, why this child, you know, or, or and she could have been in a different place. And, and I'm not trying to say anything bad about your biological mother, but. No, but, but it's a, you know, it's a, my biological mom is a person I probably not ever in my life going to fully understand her situation or her her struggles or, or her way because she's very Catholic, uh, very religious, which was interesting because the first time I was there at Christmas, they were like, we want to go to church. And I was like, in my Swedish mind, I was like, yeah, we go to church. We light the candle. We go home because this is how the traditional non-Swedish. Yeah, non yeah. yeah. And we sat in that damn shirk for eight hours. <laughs> and I was like, start, you know, I was, and we oh, and we have dinner with the priest before, and then we went to church and we sat eight hours. And I was like almost crying and like, are you kidding? Eight hours here? I don't understand the language. Like I cannot. What are we doing here? And we were thanking Jesus because he brought me back and blah blah blah. And in the end, I was like, hello, I paid for the flight tickets. Stop giving him credit. <laughs> you know, stop it. <laughs> And here's the thing. I totally go to church. That comment is really funny. <laughs> that comment is so funny. I paid for the flight ticket though. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm dying. Inside, yeah, I'm dying. Was... Anyway, <laughs> yes, yes. No, and I, man, I'm trying to unpack this in my brain, what it was like to be you, right? Because your mom drops this information on you, right? You know you have this father over here who's... <laughs> living his best life. I'm just, I'm going to say that for him. He's just living. He's as, as we say out here, he's just on vibes, just yeah. vibing, just, yeah, just on vibes. Yeah. You know, he had a great a, time probably. He did, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you're probably thinking to yourself, these are the people I come from. Maybe what? Sweden Sweden wasn't as <laughs> you know that is I thought of what no. I, I'm curious though, your relationship with your sister, what has that looked like? I mean, obviously you met her when you when you went back and had these experiences, but Yeah. It's been a little tricky because she's not my only sister on my mom's side. My mom had another daughter that died when she was fifteen, I think. I'm I'm not because I don't speak Portuguese, so I don't really understand the details in in everything. So when I, my sister and I was like emailing or like sending letters to each other, not always, but from time to time. And I was trying when I got a little older, like when I was 24 or 25 or something, I was trying to send her money, not every month, but, but like send her some money. Um, so that she could take her driver license, so that she could go to school, so that she can learn English, so that she will have, you know, something, some easier life than, than she would have had just growing up with my mom, single mom, yeah. not really educated, not really the easiest situation. And at some point, my sister started to ask me, like, can I come? Like, it's not possible to, to grow here. It's not possible to, to handle this. Um, and I ignored it 
for many years. I feel a little bad about that, but I just couldn't figure out how to have a relationship with her because it was too painful. <clears throat> and it was too painful for me that my mom kept her and she didn't keep me. So I had to deal with that, like with myself. I had to figure that out, how to feel more acceptance and how mm. to find myself in the middle of this, you know, mess that was created, which brought me to bringing my sister to Europe. And uh, like, I don't know, four months ago now. You know, it's it's interesting hearing kind of the threads of your story because it kind of makes sense to me now understanding you being, and we've talked about this online, being a counselor or a therapist, because there's, they, I, I can tell there's an empathy and I can tell that you, you think very much about the emotional side and the feeling part of, of being human, that I can see why you are in the work that you you do because you I, I mean we've we've talked about this and I, I I was like it's very fascinating with your training right so there there is there's dance therapy and then you know in the U.S. we would say almost like um it, it would fall under like intimacy counseling right mm-hmm. so um and 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 especially couples uh and and partners that are dealing with sexual related issues. And, and, and I imagine in the work that you do, a lot of it is knowing who you are, knowing where you are emotionally, spiritually and being grounded. And so I'm going to ask you a question and I wonder if, if you can make the, the, the jump or the bridge. Do you think, or do you feel that the experiences you had kind of led you into this world of, I, I want to help people, especially with the struggles they're having emotionally and spiritually? Like, do you, do you think there's a connection there? Yeah, because when I went to therapy, trying to figure out this rootlessness, this, you know, pain of being, uh, being abandoned, that kind of, from from a part of my life framed my whole life story it became like a life rule that i couldn't get rid of because it was actually true and it's it was very <laughs> i was a very hard client because my therapist at the time he was like but you can change it you don't have to live according to this rule and i was like but I'm not, but it's still true, you know, how to handle it when it's actually true. What do I do with this pain? And, and no matter what people or therapists or professionals were telling me that, you know, you need time to heal and blah, blah, blah. But for me, I got to a point where I realized that I cannot heal properly without my family or without my community or without my roots, or without my, you know, the belonging in my cells or in my my blood. It's not possible to do it. It's just, you know, you get pieces of it, but I cannot. So then I had to be a therapist on my own (laughs) to learn more about it. And uh, I did study CBT. Uh, became a counselor, or this is the, the if we translate it, this is counseling 
in your context. Mm -hmm. And then I read dance and movement therapy, like you said, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And now I'm uh, doing a master in sexology. I'm studying sexological bodywork and I'm a certified sex coach. And so I'm going to say for the non-therapist counselors around us, I know it's, I know, I'm not going to ask you to explain CBT. I know what CBT is. Y'all can look it up. It's cognitive behavioral therapy. <laughs> that, that, not to get all counseling on you. I think some people be like, what are they talking about? I know what it is. She knows what it is. Y'all can Google it. But more, but, but more importantly, so what is the field of, because I think it's interesting. So what is sexology looking at? Wow, everything. It's like, it's amazing because we can look at sexual and reproductive health and how this is accessible or not accessible for specific groups. It's connecting with human rights, the function rights which is also something that always is under pressure for some groups or individuals, which is also different in the different societies or different countries. And we have been talking about migrants, for example, and how, you know, prostitutions or trafficking is a thing, but mainly it's more the rules, the migration laws that are creating these borders or barriers that makes people, you know, not have access to good health care, to the possibility to earn money. And, and you know, all it's, it's all connecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also about looking into an individual specific situation or specific problem or to talk about sexual trauma or to, you know, figure out how you can make sex or intimacy or your sexual connection into something that is a healing space for you. Mm. So with your work, are you, I mean, obviously you, you guys and your, your family right now, you're mobile, right? So are you working with clients across different borders? Are you working with folks mainly in Sweden? Like how, how are you able to connect and identify your clientele at this point? Um, I do work online uh, just because I want to keep on traveling and we want to keep on world schooling. And it's actually very possible to do almost everything online that you can do in an ordinary therapy room because it's not only about what we are saying, but it's about how we are saying it. It's about the body language and it's about connecting the dance and movement therapy with the techniques of CBT to make the space that we are in as, Mm -hmm. you know, alive as possible. And actually people get more scared when I say dance and movement therapy than when I say sexology. Just, Hmm. just to rephrase it. This is what scares people. (laughs) Why, why, why do you think that? Or why, why is that? Because there is a lot of, you know, shame or uh, feelings that you have to perform when you are slipping out the word dance in different contexts. And sex is still, you know, kind of secret. You don't have to feel pressure about it officially because, you know, nobody will ask you to have sex here. So it's okay. But maybe somebody will actually ask you to dance. Then. (laughs) (laughs) Really funny. (laughs) <laughs> it's actually really funny and i yeah. and, and and what's really cool is that 
you've you are working on something that you are passionate and you are getting your training and and whatnot and you're still able to have this mobile life because one of the things i i think especially when i talk to people who are thinking about being expats or moving or whatever it's career right because there are ways that we make money Mm. and they have to think about how do i take my career to this different country or these different countries and so I, I, what I find fascinating is that you're showing kind of a different way, like you're, you're coming from a different field where I don't always have people who can do that. And I, I know for, and, it, and this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I know this might be different for you. I know one of the challenges for the Americans is we're licensed by state. So it's like you, you are, you can practice in, like I am in North Carolina. I can mm. practice in North Carolina but I'm not licensed by Georgia or New York or California or Illinois. Right. Yeah. With your, with your work, do you, do you have those limitations or are you able to, is it, you have been trained and certified in, in Sweden. Can you take those qualifications and you know, you're spending time in Spain, but still see clients wherever. It's um, it depending on how I do it because I am licensed in Sweden as a counselor. And I'm certified as a sex coach in WASC, like the World Associations of Sex Coaches. There's so, an association uh, of sex coaches. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What I learned on this podcast. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> a lot about different right. things. <laughs> Love it. Go ahead. But because I have my own company, I have the clients in my company that is Swedish where I have my license. So Makes sense. Until I actually move like outside of Europe, I don't think I actually have a problem. If it's like real deep, heavy trauma things, then I need to have them, you know, booked in the proper sessions as it should using my license, of course, with, with these, you know, manuals and knowledge. But if it's coaching, I, I don't think I need to, to actually care that much about different licenses or legalization in that sense, yeah. unless I actually move to the States or I get, you know, a work there or something, then I need to think about it again. But right now, I don't think I'm, I'm locked or stuck in that. And no. you're right, particularly because you have that coaching bet. And I will say yes, for, for, I will say at least for Americans, that's how some of the counselors get around it is that they also get coaching certifications. And then there are some things they can do as a coach, obviously that does not matter whether they are like, you know, licensed in, in a state or whatever. So that, that is fascinating. And so you guys are currently in Spain. You were in Portugal. Do you see yourselves? And, and, you know, you mentioned taking time to world school, your children. Do you see yourselves continuing to be on the road or, or, or doing this movement for a while? Or are you, or, and I, you know, I'm asking these questions, nobody knows the future. Or, are you, or do you have a set time where you guys are thinking, we're going to go back to Sweden? And no, because the more we are out, the less we want to go back, actually. Mm. So we will go back for the summer, meet family and friends and all of this, of course. But I want to go to the Caribbean. Uh, (laughs) because I didn't, I haven't been there. So I want to go and just, you know, discover it and be there and enjoy the heat. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> because it's a little cold for me in Spain. It's like 22 degrees. It's still I mean... cold. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is your partner Swedish? And no, he's from Austria. Uh, he's also a digital nomad. So he is traveling around right now. He is in uh, the Maldives. Um, yeah. <laughs> Why are you not there? <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not to be in your business, but uh, uh, why are you and children not also yeah, in the Maldives? Yeah, good question. Because it's not his children. Uh, okay. My kid's dad lives in yeah. Sweden still. But my partner, since like six months back, we... <laughs> Yeah, he is keep on traveling like he wants. And I'm, I'm like, still, I'm still, that's great. I'm still like, why are we not in the Maldives? <laughs> I don't care whose children they are. Like, why are we not in the Maldives? Yeah, Sorry. this is a good question. Because I also have a dog and she, okay. she don't want to be on a boat diving there's, for 12 there's days. A real, there's a real yeah. issue. It's the dog. It's yes. not even anybody else. No, it's, uh, it's her. She is cute, but... Uh, yeah she's uh that is hilarious yeah <laughs> so sorry i just heard the maldives and was like why are we all here why are we not yeah but it's okay you know i'm going with my partner to saint martin's in like three oh. weeks so i'm like uh, okay, okay you'll I be fine breathe. like yes. you're not you are not struggling you are, no. you are okay. <laughs> no i'm not in pain you know it's all right You've just listened to an episode of The Global Chatter, which is hosted by me, Amanda Bates. It is edited by Stephanie Ficcio. Don't forget to subscribe to The Global Chatter on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Global Chatter or stop by Twitter and find us at Global Chat Pod. If you have a question, want to subscribe to the newsletter or are interested in sponsoring, visit theglobalchatter.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.